Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick. Per usual, I'm really excited about this conversation today. Um, I have on my podcast a um, an alchemist, a personal alchemist, um, a cool badass chick today named Saran, and um, I think you're going to really love it. We talk about libido, cycles that women go through um, in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s. We talk about the moon. We talk about periods. We talk about feminine energy and masculine energy. It's it's awesome. You're in for a treat. But first, um, I need to admit that I spent $50 on 24 one-serving size bags of cereal this morning. And I don't even eat cereal. Okay, so here's the backstory. You guys know I'm an open book and like I'm constantly just like, so I'm a, a real human who does really stupid, embarrassing things. So if you listen to last week's episode all about learning to love your body, um, you'll know that like, yep, I'm on this journey, yada, yada. I've tried a lot of yo-yo diets and I'm trying to find like this, you know, just like uh, not another diet, just like a lifestyle, right? So I'm talking with my good friend the other day and I'm like, you know, I've been doing intermittent fasting since November and I'm just kind of sticking at this weight, which is I don't hate, um, but I don't love, you know, like that's the kind of thing in Amy Porterfield's podcast that I was listening to talking body. You know, she was asking an expert, like, is it OK? Is it possible to love your body and still want to? Um, lose weight? Or is it possible to love your body and still want to change it? And the expert said, yes. So that's kind of where I'm trying to find that sweet spot of like, I do love my body right now, but it is okay if I'm seeking, um, you know, to shed some pounds so I feel more confident in my clothes. So my clothes actually that are in my closet fit me. Okay. Anyways, so I'm having this conversation with my friend and this is Tuesday morning. This is pertinent. Uh, and she's like, you know, have you thought about like the keto diet? I said keto, keto diet. Um, because it is like literally one of the only ones that I have not done yet. 
And I was like, oh, here's the deal. And I get all like on my entitled horse to her of like, I'm just really on this journey where I'm seeking like, you know, a lifestyle, not a quick fix. And I just can't get behind anything that doesn't allow you to eat sweet potatoes or apples or beans or hummus. Like those are healthy foods. And like, you know, as a chiropractor, knowing that I, I totally talked in this voice to her, right? Um, like there is very inflammatory blah 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 so she's like all right whatever so what was that like 9 a.m fast forward to our 1 p.m uh meeting for our team and my doc is on the keto diet she's been for a couple weeks and um we're kind of announcing good news and and she says that she's lost seven pounds in like two weeks on the keto diet and I'm like, wait, what? Because she, you know, she's not as old as me, uh, you know, whopping 34. Uh, but she's been on the same like kind of cortisol, adrenal gland fatigue struggle of like, this isn't working. That's not working. Um, and so I'm like, wait, hold up. What? And so then I start talking to her about, OK, I'm going to need to know what keto is. I did allow our meeting to keep going. But then afterwards, I was like, all right, I'm not saying I'm going to do it. But tell me more. So by end of day Tuesday, okay, so Tuesday morning, there's no way I could ever do that. That's not cool. By Tuesday night, I am like full blown. We're doing keto um, with me or not, Kirby. I'm doing keto. Uh, I actually started two hours ago. Um, I downloaded the app. I upgraded to the pay for the $8 premium version so I can get recipes. Um, I've already saved like 30 pins. I've created a grocery list for tomorrow. <laughs> so then Wednesday, I go grocery shopping on my lunch break. Spend $220 at Aldi on meat and cheese and pork rinds. Um, it is the most disgusting cart I think I've ever bought because if you know keto, it's like heavy whipping cream. I bought, but also like, I don't know what was going on. I had a very stressful morning. Um, and so I don't know if I was like, uh, what's it called? Like, you know, shopping, stress shopping or therapy, what, retail therapy, but at Aldi um, or I was like preparing for some kind of keto apocalypse because instead, like on a normal week, if we're buying bacon, I will buy one thing of bacon. Uh, this time I bought three. OK, I bought three packages of bacon. I bought two packages of like cheddar bratwurst. Um, two things of like Kerrygold Irish butter, three things of cream cheese, two things of whipping cream, like uh, four bags of pork rinds. I don't know what I was preparing for y'all, but like I <laughs> just loaded up. So this is Wednesday, right? So then um, I'm continuing on keto. I'm feeling good. It's really weird to eat this much fat. Like it is kind of mind blowing. I won't do keto for life. I can just tell you now, um, Although I am feeling good, it's just kind of like, whoa, this is weird to eat this much cheese. <laughs> but this morning, I'm scrolling Instagram and, you know, I've been on keto for a solid like two and a half days, you know, 57 hours or something like that. And, you know, because I've done all this Googling on my phone, the Internet knows I'm going keto. Mother effer. Uh, so I'm just scrolling and all of a sudden I see this very well done ad how like one eighth of a Twix bar is one carb 
that's the whole thing with keto. If you don't know, you're like trying to get like under 25 carbs. I don't know. For keto fanatics, if I'm butchering this, like don't come at me. And for anti-keto people, don't come at me. Like, please. Um, the only ways I see and then they're like, or you can have this bowl of Cocoa puff cereal and it's only one carb. And I'm like, whoa, what if I am really having a sweet tooth, but I can't have anything and then I can have this. So yeah, so I just, you know, and then I could pay with PayPal, which just makes everything easier not having to think about it. So then, yeah, by the time I got to checkout, I'm like, whoa, two bucks a bag. And those are like individual serving sizes. But I'm already invested. I'm already in the checkout. So I did it. Um... So I don't know, I'm not really sure what's going on where <laughs> I think I'm just bored, to be honest, like kind of bored in life. The, the part seven of me is like seeking travel. And so like in the last two weeks, I've bought an off-brand Peloton. I'm also like bored with the workouts and I'm liking intermittent fasting. Like I'm going to keep not eating until two o'clock because it actually just like works really well for me. Um, and I don't know, you know... <laughs> With for those who are wondering, like, hey, Lauren, is this a back step in your like eating disorder history? Here's why I will say I think this is the healthiest diet I've ever started. Not keto necessarily, um, but mental health. So I was talking to Kirby on Tuesday and I the day I started keto um, and I said, hey, so how how do you feel about me slash us starting this like mentally? Um, Cause he Kirby kind of has like PTSD from me making him do detoxes and stuff like that. So anytime I'm like, Hey, we're going to do this liver cleanse or we're going to do this. He's just like a big, like Heisman stiff arm. Like, no, no, you can't make me do anything. Poor boy has been traumatized. Um, so anyway, so I'm asking like, how, are you okay with this? I know like how this, I don't know how this fits with all of this evolution that I'm trying to do with getting healthier. And he's like, you know, I am concerned. I want to make sure that you're going into this um, with reasonable expectations or like maybe even a lack of expectations. And I said, you know, right now I'm 175 pounds. Um, you know, I am... 20 pounds heavier than I was for most of my adult life. I am buying clothes that fit this body. I, um, you know, will wear a swimming suit in this body. I will still shed tears sometimes about this weight, but I am learning to be comfortable with this. And I said, you know, if I do keto, one, I'm kind of excited just about changing it up. Like I said, I'm part seven, like just, I need something new. Um, and I get to eat meat and cheese. So like, I'm kind, I'm just interested. Like I'm very curious. And at the end of a month, like if I don't lose any weight, I, I, I'll be okay. Like I can't promise I might not cry a tiny bit, but I, for the first time am not entering this diet. Like, oh my God, I hate this body and like shaming myself into like, I'm doing this new thing. And oh my God, because I'm disgusting. Cause this is how I would enter a diet in the past is like, if I was this balls to the wall for a diet, um, it was because I was so disgusted with myself that I could not live another day looking like this. And so the day I started keto, I actually felt really comfortable in my, and I'm telling him this, I'm like this morning, I put on my clothes and I felt comfortable with the way they fit. 
I stepped on the scale um, actually for the first time in a couple months. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I expected. Um, you know, it's not like what I want. But that's what I expected. Um, I put on my makeup and in the mirror, I was like, yeah, this is a good makeup day. Because I, I don't know if any of you all have had this day where you're just like, oh, nothing can fix this. What happened overnight? Like I'm puffy. I um, mean, all the makeup in the world cannot make me feel pretty today. And so I was like, you know, I had a good makeup day. Like I, I've never entered a diet like this that has such weird restrictions in such a healthy place. So... I don't know. I, I think that this is different. And he's like, okay, you know, as long as, I, and so he kind of like, not that he like gave me approval, but he gave me kind of like a thumbs up of like, I, I think this is okay. As long as you're not going to be super disappointed if it doesn't lose weight, if you don't lose weight or, you know, if you're doing this for right reasons and whatever, I'm like, all right, well, so anyways, yeah, that's how I bought $50 cereal and I'm just a ridiculous human. So anyways, okay, let's go on to our listener highlight. This is from JA Wedding on Instagram. It says, thank you for showing up as you. Oh my God, three hand clap emoji girl. You are, are oh wait, no, hold on, just kidding. Backtrack. <laughs> it is titled, thank you for showing up as you. That was a different thing. Still from JA Wedding. And it says, it's beautiful to see women speak healing and truth while showing up as themselves at the same time. Thank you for being the change. Heart emoji. Well, JA Wedding, I don't know if I'm being the change as much as just like a, a imperfect person who's willing to just show up super broken. If that's part of the change, then no, I actually... I'm, I'm joking. I do know that the work um, that I show for you guys is valuable in you being, you know, just having a better positive mindset for yourself and, um, you know, just kind of just changing how we view bringing awareness to this stuff. So thank you for that. Um, nice little note. Okay. So let's get on with the show. So today it, I have Dr. Sar Saran on. Uh, she's a holistic nutrition practitioner focusing in herbal medicine and personal alchemy. She's an island woman living in Canada with her family and is extremely passionate about living life in symbiosis with the planet. She completed her studies in holistic nutrition and spent countless hours studying herbalism from incredible herbalists, but always returned to the wise ones in her family in the Caribbean. Their intuitive wisdom and natural alignment with the land have inspired much of the work that she does. She blends the art of science of a better living, integrating a variety of healing therapies that not only reconnect us to the planet, but also our own internal rhythms. Like I said, very, very cool episode. Um, loved having her on and just a wealth of knowledge for any woman at any stage in her life to listen. So before we jump in, let's pray. Hey, God. How's it going? I don't really have any special requests today. Um, maybe just help everyone listening right now in this moment. Relax their jaw. Take a nice, deep breath of spirit into their lungs. Quiet their mind just for a moment. And let everybody, everyone else say like, oh, hey, God. Hey, source. Hey, spirit. Thanks for being with me every second of every day, even though I ignore the shit out of you most of the time. 
Continue to be with me, guide me, fill me with purpose and love and dharma. Guide me as I walk through this day to just show up as my authentic self on this journey, continuing to make mistakes and in your grace you forgive us and allow that grace to extend to me, allow me to extend that grace to myself as I am just this imperfect person. Showing up trying to help people in this cool life, um, in this career of chiropractic, in this career of whatever you badass entrepreneur who is listening right now is doing. So thank you for being with me, you neglected poor, poor spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, yo, here is my talk with Saran. Well, thank you for being willing to come on the show and be a guest. I was so excited when I found you, um, where everybody finds everything on the internet. And um, so let's start with like, it's the most basic question. I know it's kind of boring, but like tell people who you are and kind of how you've gotten to this point in your life career. All right, so let me try and give you um, the most condensed version of that story. I know, I we can just like answer that question. <laughs> hour. So um, I'm a holistic nutrition practitioner and herbalist. I'm, I live in Canada, but I am from Jamaica. So I was born in Jamaica and I came to Canada. Just, I just decided after high school, I was like, mom, dad, I'm going to Canada for university. And they're like, why? You don't know anybody there. No kidding. <laughs> Do you know it's cold there, Sarah? Yeah. It's crazy. That's kind of crazy. But I just had that feeling like I needed to do something different. And what I decided to study seems very different from what I'm doing now, okay. but it was all part of the journey. So I went to university, I got a Bachelor of Commerce, I'm specializing in um, hospitality and tourism management, but I always had a calling for service. Like I loved helping people, supporting, you know. So in my mind, when I was young, I was like, that, that seems like the natural direction, especially coming from an island you know, where there are lots of hotels and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So for me, service kind of had a very kind of narrow kind of view. Yep. Um, and so in the process of doing that, you know, I started my career um, in food service. And I really noticed looking around um, in food service management, working in corporate food service, the habits people had around food when it came to lunch, lunchtime and, you know, figuring out what they wanted to eat. Um, and it was amazing to me because it, there was so much unconscious decision-making, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. It's like, okay, what can I just get quickly? And then eventually I was part of a team that was creating a new, a healthy living program. And, um, in that process, I really fell in love with nutrition. I fell in love with, um, you know, helping people make better food choices. And by that time, I had already had uh, two children. Okay. And um, I got pregnant with my third child. And I realized that I didn't, it, it was unsustainable having a family and working 14 hours a day. So um, when I had my third child, I went back to school to study holistic nutrition and everything snowballed. 
from there because a whole new world opened up to me, just natural health. So it wasn't just about food. It was about the mind. It was about the spirit. It was about you know, natural alternatives. And there's just, there was just so much to explore with that. Myself, um, personally, in terms of like health issues, I always had like little, like a smorgasbord of like little things that were not quite right, but didn't have, they couldn't figure out. So I had nocturnal seizures for many years, um, starting from when I was in high school. And it would only happen a couple of nights a year, every two years, very unexplained. Did all the MRIs, nobody could figure it out. All the chiropractors right now are thinking as they're listening, like, did you get adjusted? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can actually attest to how chiropractic care changed. I could like talk about chiropractic care as like a whole. Okay, I just had to answer the elephant (laughs) in the room. Otherwise, everyone this whole time was going to be like, oh my God, please tell me somebody adjusted this woman. Okay, go ahead. I I got so many adjustments. Um, So so that was part of it. That's part of the holistic, you know, journey. It's like you become very curious, like, well, let's try this. Let's try that. Do I need to change my diet? Is it something blood sugar related? I remember my my family doctor just being like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to a naturopath um, and and her really helping me to to get curious, mm-hmm. you know, about where the light bulbs um, start going off. Yes. And you just like want- what is what's not aligned in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, where where is that? And so that really kind of cemented my my journey because I I think it's been maybe my daughter is going to be nine. And I think the last one I had was when she was about five months old. So, you know, it's been a long time since I've had any episodes like that. And I really attribute it to coming into alignment um, just with what my purpose is, what I'm doing professionally and the changes that I made you know, to my diet, I'm doing things like, you know, chiropractic adjustments, using herbal medicine, developing a really beautiful relationship with plants, all of that, you know, really helped to support me. So that's (laughs) that's my my story. (laughs) So, you know, do you, was there any part of coming from because in your like when you describe yourself you call yourself an island woman which I love yes I would I'm gonna become an island woman one day um, <laughs> I hate that I live in Wisconsin but it's fine it's whatever um so it was there any part do you think of coming from a culture in Jamaica that lived I mean I would imagine lived so much in alignment with being grateful for food and the land and relationships and then kind of being inserted into like urban America, Canada and our culture of like working on lunch. Do you feel like that's kind of what awoke? Like, wait a minute, this is not normal from where I come from and things like that. Oh my goodness. That to me still is an adjustment. And I've been here, you know, for half my life now. (laughs) So, um, because we, we have a different way of being completely the way our outlook, it's not that we don't work hard, but we take our rest really seriously. 
Um, you cannot you rush. Uh, you you can't rush a Jamaican for anything. Like why? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. I would. One of the first things I noticed, like how quickly people walk. I'm like, where are you going? Why are you? Where are you going? What is the hurry? Um, so that was a really big adjustment, and and I notice a difference when I go back home. You know, so like you kind of get into a certain frame of mind when you're here. You kind of you have to kind of adjust. But then when you go home, it's like, wow, it, it just feels so different. One of the things that really stands out to me as well is how warm people are here in or back home. So, for example, I'll walk down the street here and like it's like I'm invisible. Mm -hmm. That will never happen in Jamaica. People will tell you good morning. It doesn't matter if you, they know you. Good afternoon. Good night you pass somebody, they're going to acknowledge your presence. So it's, it's definitely um, a difference there. And I, and I still value that so much in myself. Mm -hmm. So even though people around me might not be like that, I'm still going to bring, <laughs> I'm gonna bring the island warmth with me, even if I live in a very cold climate. Got it. Yep. Yeah, I, that's great. I'm sure all of your neighbors very much appreciate that. They're like, yeah, oh, she's so great. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about the difference between because you have you said you focus in herbal medicine and uh -huh. personal alchemy. Uh -huh. What What's the difference there? So personal alchemy has to do with transformation um, that is necessary when you heal yourself from any kind of chronic ailment, um, your, your whole being has to transform to match that because you're moving into a different vibration. Um, so herbal medicine for me is a really great ally because it teaches you that. So herbs are great. Um, they grow, they have their own life cycles, right? They have to adapt to their environment. So when you take that in, they're giving you that information. They're giving you that education as well. They're shifting your vibration on that level also. So those two things really go together in my mind. For me, that, that has been a really critical part of that transformation process because it sort of is opens the door. Yeah, so like the, the herbal medicine kind of gets the process going and facilitating, mm -hmm. but the personal alchemy is the process. Is that? Yes. Okay. That's it. That's Do it. You find many like herbalists that are missing that point. Like I've never heard about it discussed that way, but I know a lot of people who, I don't know a lot of people, but I know like four, maybe that, um, <laughs> who like call themselves an herbalist or like, you know, maybe an acupuncturist give herbs um, for something do you find people within your profession or outside that give out the herbs without necessarily um, valuing or honoring is probably a better, the process that's going to happen with that? Does that make sense? So there's different perspectives, right? Um, you can look at plant medicine in the way that you look at allopathic medicine, which plants don't really work like that. You know what I mean? So allopathic medicine is what you get, you know, when you go to the doc, the pharmacy, you know, you have a headache, you take some Tylenol, it's kind of like a this for that. And sometimes people do the same thing with plants. What can I take for 
X or Y. And it, and like I said, it can work that way, but it's, it's a little bit more of an art and a science as opposed to something so clear cut. So yes, um, there are some herbalists that do that, but I find in my experience that most herbalists really love plants. Like plant people are very different <laughs> type of beings. They're so connected to the land, to the earth and honoring that. And they're investigators too. They're observing, you know, the environment. Where does this plant grow? Why is it good for supporting dry tissue states, for example? So cleavers, I'll give you an example, is, is, a, is a herb that grows in very damp areas, right? So that herb now helps to support dryness in the body. It brings moisture to the body. Right. Same with another. When you're saying dryness. Are you saying like literal dryness, like dry yeah. skin and psoriasis? Dry skin. Okay. Um, I didn't know if you right. were like using the more like acupuncture terms where it's like you're damp. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And it's like, no, your innerness is damp. And I'm yes, like, oh. I mean, on that level as well. Okay. I do mean on that level as well. Um, or aloe vera. That's another mm -hmm. one. Um, cactus. Cactus is grow in a very dry place so they're really good for like dry conditions right so it's there's more of like an art and a science to herbalism i know like i said i get questions like that all the time what can i take for cramps well i could tell you there's like a, a group of herbs that are great for for pain but it depends on what the root cause of the pain is is it inflammation is it, you know, nerve, nervous condition? What, what is it? Then the, 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 the herbal remedy changes. You know what I mean? Yep. That makes total sense. Yep. So do you work mostly with women? I do. I oh. do. I do a lot of work mainly around reproductive wellness. And I think um, what I realized in my practice, it, when it was just general, it's like, okay, everybody... <laughs> the doors open up. Women, women were coming to me and all of them were having, yes, gut health issues or whatever, but also um, reproductive health issues, PCOS, um, fibroids, endometriosis, infertility. And I was like, okay, that made me kind of like shift things a lot because I was like, well, what what specifically do they need to support? What is it that needs to change um, on that emotional and mental level to allow for things to um, heal, you know? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So what, because I mean, there is a ton, just thinking about my practice, uh, PCOS and infertility, like there's a ton and I, who knows if it's more, than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I would venture to guess yes. Um, but what would, what is like your traditional approach? Like, let's say that I'm a 30 year old struggling to get pregnant um, and I were to reach out, like what's kind of the process that you start to take me through? So it's multifold. Um, I do a full uh, nutritional analysis to see where there are particular deficiencies um, and then I will do, um, you know, kind of questionnaires around the constitution of the person. And then we do a lot, a lot of work on the psycho-spiritual emotional piece. 
So um, there's a few techniques and methods that I incorporate. Um, breath work, I always do breath work exercises with my clients um, when we have calls. Um, we all sometimes, depending, depending on the client, I will do um, uh, birth, cart, birth chart astrology. So that gives me some more information as well. I will also do um, tarot readings with them. Um, those all help to support with the um, personal transformation piece. The thing that really stands out to me when it comes to reproductive health is around receptivity and cultivate, cultivating feminine energy. So that doesn't mean it's not gender specific, right? So even if you don't identify as a female, it's about the energy of the feminine, which is a lot more subtle. And especially for women who um, work in a particular environment where you know they have to have a very brave, tough face, they're in that kind of go, 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 hustle. A very, I mean, I right? use the term, but like masculine energy. Yes. Yep. Yes. It's very hard to make the, the switch when they're ready. So the work is really about that. That's the transformation. It's finding the balance. That's it. Okay. So there's a lot of work that I do around cultivating that, what that is, dropping into your intu intuition because the logical mind is going to tell you this doesn't make sense. And, and I get that because um, I'm, I'm a big book nerd and I love science and I love, you know, things like that, but, but I'm also really creative. And I've really found a way to balance those two things. And I know that it's not an easy thing for a lot of people to do. So um, that, that I think is one of the main blocks that women encounter who have issues around fertility it's around receptivity because conception go yeah. ahead does that go hand in hand too with like the sexual desire and libido absolutely absolutely so you need that spark passion right um i you know a tarot card just popped into my mind when i said that but you need that root um desire but then the actual act of conception is really not active <laughs> on our parts. It's receptive. The egg is just sitting there. It's waiting. I'm sorry. So <clears throat> that's what you mean by receptivity. Yeah. That. Are you open? Oh, that's so interesting because I'm sure so many of these women are like, I want a baby so bad. But then you're telling them like, you're not open to it. Yeah, you can, are you surrendering to that? Okay. Right? Well, so surrender is a word that is not easy if you are in that sort of mentality. So for I'll give you another example. I've had clients who are like engineers, you know, or, you know, where there's a, a lot of masculine energy. They have to, um, you know, be in a, have a particular energy in that work environment. When they come home, that, that energy you now with your partner has to kind of shift. And it doesn't mean that you're weak. It's not weakness, right? Um, that's not what it's about. Uh, that energy, when that egg sits there, it's the, for to be fertilized. It's not like searching, looking out. Okay, okay, where's this? It's just being. It really is just waiting. 
um, for that moment of connection. So if you can cultivate that energy, that's going to make such a huge difference um, in your ability to conceive. And it's not just about making babies, it's about anything that you do in that creative arena. Cause you're, mm -hmm. the, the uterus, the womb is your creative center. You're creating so much more than, you know, an actual physical life, that new book or art, art project or business idea, all of it is birthed from that place. But you have to be able to um, balance the doing with the being, you know? And so, yeah, okay. This is like, like oh gosh, this is my problem. So <laughs> you help a woman, and sorry if you've already said this, but say it again for me. How would you help a woman start to draw in that feminine energy? So like, for instance, a lot of the women listening are probably similar to me, where during the day, even though I, as a chiropractor, I treat mostly kids and women, like I don't have a very like pain focused clinic. So it could be a lot worse for me. I don't mean to say worse, but you know, um, but I am in this mode where I'm the boss. I have to handle problems that come up. I need to have the answers for patients or be confident that I will find them, tell them what I think is best. And so it is, you know, this very like structured energy. And then I come home and the kids and dinner and the family time. And, you know, how is it possible to kind of make those switches on a daily basis? Like, how do you help with that? Okay, so I think it has a lot to do with an attachment to a particular um, persona, right? Um, are you attached to that? Like, can you put it down? What happens if you don't? <laughs> what, what happens if you do? Persona during the day. Yeah. Can you let go, can you surrender it? It's a hat that you wear, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not you, but it's one of your hats. And I think that if when you start to over identify with a particular hat, <laughs> you, you start to believe that that's who you are. Um, so the more that you're able to see it from a perspective of, well, this is an energy that I need that I use to move my work forward. You know, um, and not necessarily reflective of who I am at the core, uh, then you, you can make that switch into something a little bit, um, you can surrender it, you know? Yep. Um, it's, it's hard to leave it at the door, but that's actually one of the really great lessons I got from working in hospitality is, is that just because you're having a, a bad day, <laughs> like your your customers are going to come to you and they might be having a bad day are you going to like um you know like there's a customer service hat mm -hmm. right so sometimes you have to be able to put things down put things aside and really kind of embrace something else that's really actually quite natural and organic right yeah, I mean, what's kind of coming up for me as you're explaining this is a conversation that I have with patients all day long, um, kind of relating to their nervous system, where, you know, I will talk about like, we have fight or flight, 
we have rest and digest. Fight or flight isn't bad. If I have a patient who um, their neurology is locked into rest and digest and they don't have like the ability to kind of step into fight or flight, that's just as much of a problem, although a lot more rare in our society, we tend to be much more fight or flight. But so it's the like, no, I don't want a patient to, if they were like, okay, well, I need to be in fight or flight here and breast and digest. Can you give me the tips as to how to do that? I would say the goal is to be able to stand in the middle and let go of the fact that you, you know, you need anything and allow your body to innately flow kind of seamlessly in between them as you need. So what I was hearing you say is like, stop feeling like you need to have the feminine energy at home and the masculine energy at work. What if you just showed up like as yourself, as yourself right. with both energies. And then it's not expecting this 180 when you get home of like, okay, do I need to do like 10 breaths before I come in the, in the yes. home? Like, what should yes. I do? And you're like, mm, you're still taking your masculine energy and trying to force yes. yourself into the feminine. Right, exactly. And the thing is too, um, one of the things that I learned from, um, you know, the book, Women Who Run With The Wolves, one of my favorite books. Oh, oh my goodness. One of my favorite books. And there's, um, there's a, a, a piece in there where she says the ego acts in service to the soul. So everybody has ego identities. And that's kind of what I'm referring to. Like, I'm a character, I'm a mm -hmm. this, I'm a that, right? Um, those are just acting in service to the soul. And it's very easy to think that that is you. Right. Um, the soul has its own kind of purpose, its way of expanding, its way it's, um, to grow, to learn as beings on this planet. And then these personas help with the expression of that. So, you know, so that expression comes in the form of I'm a chiropractor, I'm a mom, I'm a XYZ. But when we grip onto that, as or being, then we kind of run into those problems. And I really love what you said about, you know, it's not about, it's not this kind of black or white, masculine, feminine, it's like this fluidity between. So how are you bringing the feminine into your business, right? How are you bringing that into, how are you balancing that in your relationships, your personal relationships with your partner, et cetera? And this goes for both men and women, whether or non-binary folks as well. This is just, um, this energy doesn't, is not gender specific, as I mentioned. Okay. Okay. So you said like, all right, for step one, let's say, is you accept of, or let go and surrender of what you feel you need to be while at work. Mm -hmm. Is there, okay, what else can I do? Okay. <laughs> All right, so um, is there, then there's a little bit of investigation here. Is there uh, trauma intergenerationally or like for you personally? So was there any kind of physical trauma to the pelvic area? Okay, so um, like literally, in my scenario, I would say no. Right. That I can think of. I mean, giving right. birth, but that doesn't, my births yeah. were beautiful, so it wasn't actually traumatic. Right, um, right. But okay, so like very organ specific. Right, so was there physical trauma? Was there emotional trauma? So there are uh, relationships that you haven't healed from the past 
that are still living in that space because that's we hold a lot. The heart and womb are actually very connected. So a lot of the herbs for the womb actually are heart remedies and vice versa. Uh, motherwort comes to mind. Motherwort is the Latin word is Leonaris cardiaca, which is lion heart. And it is a herb that is um, generally specific to the reproductive organs, but it also helps support heart health. So those two are really linked. Well, so and like how ironic um, that, you know, so many people who are, again, in this more like fight or flight, masculine, whatever you want to call it, deal with a lot of anxiety and cardio. Like, for instance, I, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now, I had to do like a full heart workup to like make sure that because I was having palpitations and like, you know, um, some of the executives or like just people who have like a more high stress job, it's like, oh, and they're dealing with cardiovascular stuff too. And so it's like, yep, it would make sense that those go together of like, if your body is worried about survival, mm -hmm. creating another human, like your bot, your innate body's going to go, you want to create a human? You can't even keep yourself alive. Like let's be yeah. alive first. Absolutely. And you know, this too, um, the, the fight, fight or flight, when you're in fight or flight, the, the main areas that shut down are digestion, uh, your immune function and reproduction because it's reproduction is a nice to have. It's not like essential if you're running from a bear. Mm -hmm. You don't need it, right? If it's not safe, the body is so intuitive and it knows that if you are in your, your life is threatened in some way, right? Then it's not safe to bring new life because that new life might will not be safe. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, also think of it from the perspective of evolution. Every single thing in nature is concerned with um, the continuation. Right. It's continuation. Uh, so dandelions are designed to blow. If you notice when it goes to seed, the seeds will blow all over. That's a very intuitive design. It's meant to spread and to as much as possible. So our bodies are very similar. Like it has to have ideal conditions. It's safe. Offspring's going to be good. Okay, good. It's safe to reproduce. If you're in um, that fight or flight chronically, your body's like, this is not a good time or space. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm picturing having this conversation with a patient who has, you know, maybe they've been trying, they've gone through the whole allopathic model, they're here and I'm telling them like, you know, talking to them about stress and like, that's a hard conversation to have with a patient because like they wanna know what is the problem and how to fix it. And so it's almost like telling them like, it's because your, your body doesn't feel safe reproducing and it's the amount of stress that can be a very stress inducing conversation. So this is where self-compassion comes in. It's, it's, and um, herbal medicine. So 
remember I told I, I mentioned before where it's kind of like a gateway. It kind of like opens the door. So if there's nervous thing issues with the HPA access access, for example, then you're going to use herbs that will support that, and that will give you an openness to um, certain conversations. It will give you an openness to exploring the things that are not in alignment and how you can go about, you know, making those changes, right? Because if you're up here a lot, you kind of want to move the energy down, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of the energy tends to be really concentrated in like the crown chakra in the head, overthinking, um, stressing, worrying. And so if you can move that energy down with herbal medicine, that frees up a lot of space here and allows you to be more in, con in connection with your body and what's how it feels, right? Mm -hmm. That sensory awareness. What are some of your favorite herbs that you would recommend for that HPA access support and like moving the energy from the crown chakra down to the root? So I always, you know, especially now, um, you look to adaptogens, adaptogenic herbs, because they um, support the adrenal glands. Um, they help support the immune system as well. Um, and, I, and you know that there's like a small amount of your sex hormones that um, are produced by the adrenal glands as well. So only a small percentage of your reproductive hormones come from your adrenal glands? Yeah, so mainly it's your ovaries if you're- Okay, yeah. Right? Um, they really kick in though when you get to like pre-menopause. Um, but if you're in adrenal burnout, like if you're in that fight and flight for like all of your 30s, <laughs> all of your 20s, um, you get to your like mid 40s over here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, then what ends up happening is that um, your, your adrenal glands are supposed to kind of compensate for the slowdown in your ovaries. And so what the challenge is, are a lot of women experience hot flashes and those symptoms because that the adrenals aren't picking up the slack because they're they're already shot, mm -hmm. right? So that's that's one of the reasons that you know some women have really bad um, perimenopause issues and and things like that. So if you have like a thirty-ish person mm -hmm. who is definitely like on the spectrum for adrenal burnout, we'll just say, mm -hmm. which is like like. Everybody, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say asking for a friend, right? Um, and but they they're dealing with maybe some either like low sexual libido. Is that issue a adrenal gland issue or is it an ovary issue? Uh, it could be. It's could be both. So it's okay. So. <sighs> When it comes to libido, this is something that I also really like to uh, emphasize that we are not supposed to, it's not consistent. Like if you look at how our hormones rise and fall every month, our libido actually does the same thing. Um, again, it's a very intuitive process. So as estrogen rises, then you're gonna have that pickup because your body is like getting primed and ready. Right, so you'll find your libido is kind of plateaued 
um, at the first day, two, three, four of your cycle, and eventually starts to rise as you approach mid-cycle. And then that might fall off after you ovulate and then rise a little bit again because testosterone rises towards the end of your cycle again. So with that rise of testosterone at the end of your cycle, some women are like, oh, feeling like uh, more aroused or more their libido is up again. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very cyclical. It's not. What if I feel like I have no cycle? <laughs> I have a menstrual cycle, but like, what if somebody's like, mm, I don't feel any rise in that. Uh, yeah, so it's noticing what you're noticing. This is where body awareness really comes in. So in the course that I have is it actually zeroes in on um, allowing you to notice the difference in each cycle, paying attention to each of the four phases, because there's four phases of your cycle. So, you know, you have your day one, you start bleeding, mm -hmm. um, day seven, or, you know, on average. Yes. How do you feel in that point at that time? Are you noticing what's happening? What are you eating? What are, what's coming up for you? Seven to 14, again, this is where you're gonna have that rise. If you look at a chart, so you see the wave of your hormones kind of climbing up with serotonin as well. Estrogen is going up, serotonin is going up. You're starting to feel really good, typically. But sometimes if we're not body aware, we're just kind of used to having like this consistent go, go. Right. Then we don't notice the upswings, right? And we don't, we, we, and we also think that we need to be the same all the time. You're not supposed, you don't need to be horny all the time. <laughs> it's okay if you're not, um, if you don't feel up to it, but noticing when these things are shifting is really critical. Cause I, I guarantee if you take one month um, to just notice, like you, you make that mental um, note and you say, this month I'm going to observe what's happening in my body. Right. I'm not going to be I'm going to try to take that energy down and not really think about just notice body awareness. You will see that there is a point in your cycle where you feel a little bit more up. It might not manifest for you necessarily like you're trying to tear your husband's clothes right. off, but you notice you notice your energy is a little bit different. And then the next month. You're going to say, hmm, what what am I doing with this energy? Like, do I feel creative? Do like, do I have am I maybe you're pointing your creative energy into something else? You're not using it for sex, you're using it to develop a course, you're using it to learn how to play the piano. You're, you know, creative energy and sexual energy are very much one and the same. I right. That makes sense with you saying it, but I've never thought about it at all. And so like, would it be a fair assumption or, you know, that if I incorporated more of that, like, because it's hard for me when I create, like I'm a workaholic. So when you say like create a, a course, I'm like, mm -hmm, yep, I'll do that. And then like my body shifts completely into like masculine of logistics and execution and things like that. But if I were to play around with painting or learning an instrument or just like, you know, more of that, like um, 
creative energy, purposeless creative energy. Yes. Does that foster an environment for increased sexual energy though? Absolutely. So that's one of the things that I always do with my clients is what, what is a thing that you would love to do that think of, go back to your childhood. What did you love to do as a child? Creative wise. What did you like to color? Did you like to, to, um, to, you know, paint or did you start learning the piano, but then like it fell off or whatever it is, can you pick that back up? Because it, it activates a, a different part of your brain. And then it allows you to kind of have this more organic relationship because you're kind of more in a flow, right? Mm-hmm. So that absolutely, or even cooking, you know, gardening, mm-hmm. putting your hands in the soil, um, caring for and nurturing a plant, you know, these are all things that will help you to connect with that energy because you're not using your brain necessarily, right. right? You know, you might observe things and, and right, but it's, you're in a different kind of space. So all of those things are really great to do mid-cycle and knowing your cycle is going to help you. Um, my course is called, um, you know, Inner Seasons, a blueprint for honoring your body. It's an actual blueprint. It's an actual, your cycle actually to give, here is how you live your life. <laughs> here it is. This is how you do it. This is where your energy is highest. This is when it's not so high. This is when you have the energy to create. This is when you have the, and en- you don't. This is when you're supposed to rest. This is when you don't rest. You know, it's, it's all there. All the information is there. Yeah. Have um, you read Kate Northrup's book, Do Less? I am a very big fan of hers. <laughs> I haven't read that book, but I am okay. a very big fan. Um, and so she talks similarly with, you know, the four stages of your cycle and when, you know, is a good time to be doing certain things. And that sounds really similar to your course. I love that idea. Yes. Yes, um, I know it's it's it can be challenging because there's we live in a patriarchal society that values a very linear approach to things, consistency. But um, feminine energy is not necessarily consistent in that way. It's more expansive. So if you think of a line, right, or the sun, it has a very it rises and falls <laughs> like it's up and down. It's very linear it's a very different energy than the moon the moon has different phases waxing waning oh that's a cool right so feminine energy is more related to the cycles of the moon that's why you have 13 cycles throughout the year just like there's 13 moon cycles you know the moon um cycles full uh like new moon to full moon 29 and a half days the menstrual cycle is 28 days so our energy is not support meant to be that we are meant to live a vibrant life but just differently right it's like i said it's more expansive so you it's a cycle you'll come back you're 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 you know having new insights and becoming more aware um so sometimes you'll pick something up and you put it down and you come back around to it in another cycle. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That makes 
perfect sense. So you were, you've also talked um, a little bit about, so you're talking about like the phases of a 28 day cycle. Yes. You've also mentioned that there are like just phases in life that a woman will go through. Can you talk a little bit about those? Okay. So um, we, we have, or, you know, maiden stage, if you will, you know, the same cycles within your menstrual cycle actually are a bigger. So if you think of an eagle's eye view of it mm-hmm. from a chronological standpoint, there's also those stages, right? You know, traditionally, let's say the maiden mother crone, right? So when it from menarche, which is like the first, your first period to, you know, your mid to late twenties, you're in that maiden stage. You have all the energy, you're learning, you're growing, you're adventurous. And then you move into the next stage, which is, right? In the next stage, you're learning to nurture things, right? Um, And I like to give this example. Is that what I'm supposed to be doing right now is learning to nurture things? Yeah, right? So so that's really an interesting phase because there's there's, um, different types of mothers, mothering, Mm -hmm. right? Um, some Some mothers are helicopter moms, right? They're, they're micromanage. Um, and some are pretty hands off and like finding that balance is really challenging. Mm -hmm. So even if you have a business, what kind of mother are you to it? You know? Um, so you're learning to nurture in different ways and learning to nurture yourself, to honor your truth, to cultivate self-compassion. Those are the main lessons of that, that chronological, period of time and you and said then, about age-ish what age would you say so that's um you know late 20s moving into your 30s mm-hmm. you know um early 40s too and then you know from the you know mid late um 40s and beyond you're starting to cultivate in the crone stage which is your wisdom you've learned all these lessons from your adventures from like learning to nurture things um, you're more sure of yourself. It's like that that period of of time where it's like um, you know what what works for you and what doesn't, and your no is so strong. I remember teaching a workshop in Jamaica, and I had um, a woman who was entering menopause, and she's like, I don't have time for anything that doesn't serve me. Like I just like she's like. I just don't have any tolerance. The no is just strong. And she's like, I don't have any regrets. Yeah. She's like, I don't feel any guilt about it. I know who I am. And so you you eventually move into that phase as well. That phase sounds great. (laughs) I would like to accelerate the process into I don't give a fuck. Exactly. And the thing is, um, my grandmother is still alive. She's like, she's going to be 87 at the end of this month. And there's now in that period of time, a piece there. Like, who cares about anything <laughs> when you're 87 years old, mm-hmm. right? What people think, what, you know, she sits under her guava tree, quite peaceful, even with everything going on in the world. She thinks it's kind of weird, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm pretty sure all of us holistic practitioners do. We're like, this is weird. Yeah, 
but but you move into that phase of like letting all of it go all of the roles is that the fourth phase that i would say that's a fourth phase i don't know what the name of it is but i having observed it in my grandmother i'm like that is it's such a beautiful pa- uh, place to be mm-hmm. right what are some of the most like so going back to the maiden phase Mm -hmm. yes what are some of the biggest struggles that a that the feminine energy deals with during that phase so it's to not burn yourself out right in the beginning you know what i mean it's it's sort of like thinking about it as a marathon more than a sprint so sometimes okay, exactly what we do though because yeah. it's like you go to high school you go to undergrad you go to chiropractic school and then you better like make that money because you owe a lot of money and then did you find yourself a man yet and then you better like get a house and have a baby yeah. and like okay mm-hmm. marathon there are all these rules mm-hmm. exactly it's a marathon so enjoying every phase as it comes you know I don't have the energy of a 25 year old, but you know, I'm in a different phase of my life Mm -hmm. and honoring where you are is really important. So yes, a 25 year old is going to be able to do certain things and that's what they're supposed to be doing. That's what they're meant to be doing. Um, The challenge is like I said though, to not burn yourself completely out when you're in your maiden phase. Mm -hmm. Can you still uh, look at your cycle? and say, yes, my predominant energy is maiden, but I still have those phases within that, right? So your your maiden phase or your follicular phase is going to be amplified because that represents the maiden phase, but you still have an opportunity to, to test out nurturing and, you know, creativity and things like that mid cycle you still have the opportunity to test out the crone stage in your menstrual menstrual phase, right? Even though that's not your predominant energy. And that really allows you to not burn everything down, (laughs) you know, like kill yourself, completely be burnt out with work and keeping up socially and all the things, right? Because I guarantee you, as someone who really loved doing all the things in the twenties, you will pay in your thirties. Well, I was going to ask <laughs> is that, so what was the middle phase called again? So the, the mother, the mother well, phase. Um, is that the number one issue that that phase tends to work with of like, oops, well, nobody told me to like, it was a marathon, not a sprint. And now I am not even halfway through this and exhausted. That is why all the issues come up. And you're like, I was surprised. I didn't, I remember um, as a teenager and in my twenties, I never had acne. That was never a thing. But in my early thirties, I'm like, what is this? You know, there's so many women who like all of a sudden they get those diagnoses. That's when the diagnoses come. You have fibroids, you have PCOS, you have endometriosis. All of them come in that that time in the 20s you don't know you don't really see that too much because you're not paying attention even but now you're you're learning that not taking care of yourself has consequences right right? yeah and I'm 34 and so that has been the last three years of my life of like 
whoa, you cannot like, you know, within the last three years, I have gotten like chronic back spasms that not kind of what are doing great. Um, you know, IBS flare up at some point, a full cardiovascular, like workup just to be told like, Oh, you're stressed. And so it's like, yeah. And I'm like, why I miss my twenties. Is this just, getting <laughs> old? but it's that like halting of like, you cannot keep sprinting this marathon you can yes. finish and you will finish and like you know but this is not an option for you to keep going this way it's an opportunity to learn to nurture yourself mm -hmm. and yeah. to connect with yourself that's really what it is this phase it's not like i said it's not necessarily about mothering a, a per another person um but how are you mothering yourself nurturing yourself um first and foremost and how are you connecting to, to that? What is your, what does your compassionate voice sound like? This is actually the time when a lot of women look to, um, you know, discovering or unearthing the roots of their wounds, right? Um, there is an opportunity here to heal the mother wound, especially the relationship with your own mother um, intergenerationally and also the voice in your head, right? So if you're really um, someone who is very driven and something doesn't go the way you expect it to, what does the voice in your head sound, sound like? If you had a very harsh mother, for example, that voice is going to sound like that. So now the, the opportunity is to learn, relearn a language that is going to give you comfort and learn how to find comfort and self-soothing, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So you had mentioned in the maiden phase that even just throughout a 28 day cycle, you can play with the different phases. And um, what does, like, is there a time during your cycle that's best to play with each phase? Like, yes. Oh. Yes. So the, the maiden phase is um, OK. So let me start from the beginning. So the the crone or the, the OK, I will call her the wise woman okay. or the sage or the the mystic. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mystic is that menstrual phase. They say the veil is really thin when you are actually menstruating that you you know, I find that I have very vivid dreams. Um, at that time, I'm very quiet. I'm very, it's very internal, um, you know, time, right? So that's that phase. Then the maiden phase would be uh, associated with the follicular phase. So after your, your cycle, you're done bleeding and that your energy, your hormones start to rise. Mm -hmm. So if you, it's this up and out word energy, you have like, oh, now I can like, plan and strategize and I can do all the things. No, you can't like just, you know, pace yourself, <laughs> but that's a good time to organize and, you know, things like that. So that's a maiden phase. And then, you know, the ovulatory phase is, is where you cultivate receptivity. You've done a lot of the busy work in the maiden phase. So now you're like sitting back and seeing, allowing that space for the divine to work. Right. Now you might see certain people being attracted to you. Like, oh, it's so funny. Like there's certain people who always contact me when I'm ovulating 
and it's weird. I don't know how they know, but you know. <laughs> I um, think science calls it like uh, the egg effect or like it's something like that, but like science has actually proven somewhere that like when we as women are ovulating there is a actual magnetism exactly so that's not there's no doing there you know you are just existing like a flower and everybody's like oh this beautiful flower i want to pick it <laughs> right mm-hmm. um the flower is just being so you get to play with that energy of just being in your radiance right receptivity and then the next phase I actually really love, I I call it's like the enchantress. Mm. Um, And also it it helps you to refine things. It's like this, you you think you can do everything at ovulation and then this phase comes and says, no, actually. Um, And then you also get a chance to refine things. You're like, this doesn't work. So I, I call it the no bullshit phase. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's when you notice your baseboards are dirty and, you know, <laughs> your partner is like annoying. You, you know, that that's the phase where you notice things that maybe you, you let fly before. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have this opportunity to drill down on what works for you and what doesn't. Right. So. That's the playing of the, with the energy. And you do that every month. You get a, a renewal every month. You get a chance to do it every month, you know? So when we think of our cycles as it's like, oh, it's a nuisance. It's like, no, actually, it's, there's opportunities there to start anew and to, to radiate and to um, refine all of the things. What are some of your favorite books that have really helped i know you said women running with wolves women who run with the wolves if you see my house with books i i (laughs) uh there's so 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 many uh woman code code um is one alisa viti um there's uh, oh my gosh uh so it depends on what what genre is it like science kind of no I want like what would you recommend for just continuing to help facilitate drawing in of the feminine energy uh wild power um there's one called moon time as well uh that I really love I draw on that one um what else I can't remember all the names. I literally have read so many books on this topic. All of the names, um, the ones you just like said, I'm like, yes, I want to read Moon Time and yes. Power and Women yes. Run with Wolves. Like Amazon that, just went up. Yeah. That one, actually, Women Who Run with the Wolves, I, I would recommend to every woman <laughs> to read. It's an actual initiation. I've been reading that book since 2018. Like, like it's not a book. Okay. So so it's not a book that I I I go. You just read it through. Okay. Uh, I I've literally spent years working through the themes in that book. I'm not done yet. Wow. Okay. Uh, so pretty incredible in terms of um, understanding from sh- the the author uses a lot of um, 
Jungian psychology and mythology to really um, drive home the idea of what the experience of the feminine is, right? So highly recommend that one as like an initial read before you read anything else. Okay. That one is the one. Okay. Can we just talk slightly more about um, plants and herbs that, during the cycle? Like, okay. like geek out on me on like when we're talking about with this menstrual cycle, like is what, how do plants work into this, whether it's in diet or yeah. Okay. So there is a category of um, herbs that support the reproductive system specifically. Um, there are astringent herbs. So they're ones that tighten and tone. So if you think about someone, for example, who bleeds a lot, heavy bleeding, um, and you think about the blood vessels, maybe they're in a relaxed state. So you want some herbs that can support that. Those herbs tend to be high in vitamin C. So again, you see that heart connection too, because vitamin C also helps to strengthen the the, the all blood vessels, even in the heart. So my favorite herbs are um, red raspberry leaf. You've mm -hmm. probably heard of that one. A lot of women use that, especially uh, like right before labor. Yeah, my midwife and, had me do that. Yeah, I don't right, know. And after as well, uh, to bring the womb back, you know, mm -hmm. to the size that it <laughs> it needs to be. Um, so it helps with tightening and toning. It's, it's slightly sour, you know, very slightly astringent. It makes you pucker, right? Any astringent herbs kind of make you kind of, you know, have that mouth feel. Okay. Um, the next one that is a favorite of mine because we, it's very popular in Jamaica. Like every Christmas, it comes into bloom. Um, it's called sorrel or hibiscus. It's in the hibiscus family. And that one is red. It's it's um, it's a beautiful flower, and again, it has that astringency to it, so it helps with heavy bleeding. Um, and then there's pain relief, as I mentioned. So pain relief, you know, there's cramp bark that is very specific to, um, and actually for the nervous system in general. Um, I also like ginger. So that is circulatory herb as well. So it helps to with flow mm -hmm. um, and brings warmth, you know, releases stagnation from the womb too, because sometimes you have a cold uterus and you have a lot of clots and things like that. So um, I really love ginger as well. Um, and then there's just general herbs for the reproductive, like motherwort, I gave you the example of. Um, and that, that herb actually is really great if you tend towards like anxiety mm. towards your, the end of your cycle or like when your cycle starts, um, you have a lot of mental disturbance. The, the eclectic herbalist used to, um, uh, would refer to it as an herb, a herb for hysteria, which was not a thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Another <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> right. Um, so, so that one really helps with the, the, that emotional piece and healing the mother wound, healing grief. Um, so those are, are some of the main ones that I really love to go to. Of course, there's more 
there are other herbs that deal specifically with the hormones. So dangkwai, um, you know, chaseberry, um, th those ones that have a direct effect on the actual, your actual hormone balance. There's a really great Ayurvedic herb, um, some ashwagandha as well, mm -hmm. um, that helps with the adrenal glands and hormone balance. Um, so there, there's quite a few there that um, depending on the person, you know, we yeah. use a mix. Right? Oh, viewers, a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> okay, how can people get more of you? You talked that you have a course. Can we talk a little bit about your course? Yes, so uh, my course is called Inner Seasons, a blueprint for honoring your body. And it goes through those four stages that I um, mentioned. So each phase is um, its own module, its own week. And we go through what the, the foods are that are helpful and supportive at that time. Um, the herbs that are supportive at time, the mental and emotional changes that are happening. Um, and then, so each phase has that. Um, in the spring phase, and, and they correspond with seasons of the, you know, natural seasons. So the spring or follicular phase, I go into, you know, a lot more detail around what your hormones are actually doing. Um, why are they doing, why are they going rising and falling? Um, what dysfunction in or, you know, high levels of one mean, you know, how that reflects in your body, how to use the energy. So like uh, if you have more energy to create a project or, th you know, things that I mentioned mm -hmm. to you before, when that's ideal, doing your photo shoots when you're ovulating Ooh, because... Right. You know, glowing. you're glowing. <laughs> so I go through all of that. And then as a bonus, I have a whole, um, like a lot of bonus material around astrology and tarot and how that fits in to the menstrual cycle and how you can use that for, as a tool for personal alchemy um, and, and charting your lunar cycles, um, the, the astrological correspondences, archetypes. All of that. Awesome. Okay. So where can people find it and find so more? My website um, for the course is uh, www.learnwithsaran.com and uh, registration or the course launches on February 28th. Okay. And I'll make sure that I have that link down in the show notes for sure for people as well. Well, thank you so much. How can people just like follow you? Uh, are you on active yep. on Instagram? Are you? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm on Instagram. You can follow me at wellness underscore by underscore Saran. And um, I don't really use Twitter that much, but Instagram is the main, main vehicle. So I'm, I post pretty much every day during the week. So there's tons of great information and inspiration there. Um, so. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving me your time and being on here. Um, it was really interesting, really, really interesting. Every time I have a guest on um, that we start to talk about a lot of this feminine, like, it's just like light bulbs start going off and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so broken, but like not, <laughs> not broken. It's like, but just like, 
I should say like the pieces just start to like, they just make sense so much. You know, like we said in the beginning of this conversation of like the light bulbs start going off and you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I have these expectations of me yet. I do these actions and then like they they don't work together. So I just really- bit by bit, bit by bit, it takes time. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you learn something, you integrate it and you move on to the next thing. And, you know, it, it all it all helps on your journey. Yep. If only we could fast forward into that crown state. But no, this is <laughs> the learning of the lessons is fun. It's really fun. Huh? <laughs> All right, She Slayers. So go check out um, Saran's course. Go check her out. Follow her um, and order those books on Amazon for sure. So until next week, She Slayers. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.